You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope everybody's safe. Um, obviously, everything that's going on, guys, uh, continue to be safe, be smart, you know, with any decisions you're making now, whether it's health-wise, whether it's obviously this country-wise. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code, all caps, no space, locked on, and get $10 off your first box of their 16 terrific varieties of flavors. We're going to sit down today here in the first time on LOB. A uh, younger guy, and he's been cranking out some really good work lately, so I wanted to give him the opportunity to come on here. We're going to talk some rounds here today. Uh, you know, covers the, you know, covers the NFL, covers the NFL draft with Clutch Ploints NFL, with the first pick. NFL Draft Lounge uh, obviously does some Cavs work. And there's Cavs work to talk about, a Cavs Nation uh, Cavs Nation CP, Mr. Sam Panic. Sam, first of all, with everything that's going on, buddy, how you holding up? Uh, you know, everything all right? You know, I mean, you're managing through uh, these strange, strange-ass times we're going through, bud? I'm all good over here. Uh, it's It's been different. It's been strange, but we're getting through it, and uh... – Hopefully we're we're coming near the end of this thing. Uh, yeah, with the uh, roller coaster that 2020 is, it almost seems like each time we're you know we start to see uh, some sort of finish line or something, it seems like the uh, bar essentially is raised as far as another gate in the way. But you know we continue to plow on through as best we can. There is no obviously you know any other alternative so to speak here. Um, obviously though we're going to talk here some Browns. Um, now Sam, obviously with you know Kevin Stefanski brought in here. Um, and I think everybody kind of just assumes we're going to get, you know, whatever was done in Minnesota and however he handled the thing, you know, obviously, you know, from who he was learning from over there, you know, North Turner and all that stuff. I think everybody thinks you're just going to get a, 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 almost, a, but you look at the moves they made here and, you know, nobody's married to one thing. And with the amount of intelligence with Kevin Stefanski and everybody in the building here, you got to think they're going to look to, alter you know some of what he's done in the past just due to the fact that he can maybe do some different things here with Cleveland that he didn't really have the opportunity to do in Minnesota yeah that's how I kind of look at this um you know everyone points to what he did last year and they just think automatically well we have a we have two really good running backs so that means we're going to run 12 personnel we're going to run the ball every single play and we're going to succeed off of that um I do think we're obviously going to use more 12 personnel um Sharp football stats had the Browns at 23% in 12 personnel last year compared to the Vikings at 34%. So 11% is a pretty significant difference. Um, but I think a lot of that was scheme, but also a lot of that was Stefanski kind of tailoring his scheme to the personnel that he had to deal with in Minnesota, which was the strength was the running game. Um, Obviously, you had Diggs and Thielen, who are two really good receivers. But after that, uh, your wide receiver was wide receiver three was Ola B.C. Johnson, which, you know, no offense to him. But when he's your wide receiver three, you don't really have great depth at that position. And uh, here, Rashard Higgins is a better wide receiver three, assuming he's, you know, back to 2018 form, as as we're hoping a lot of these players get to. But. In 2019, you know, the Browns used 11 personnel 57% of the time. That was Freddie Kitchen's thing. The Vikings only used it at 25%. But I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced that we're just going to, we're just going to go down to, you know, 25 and below. I think Stavansky's going to want to mix things up, uh, spread out the defense more, 
you know, you don't want to become too predictable. So we don't want to run every single play from 12. Um, you know, Andy Janovich is going to have to get in there a lot because, you know, he's one of the better fullbacks in the league. The Browns gave up a sixth rounder to, to acquire him. And then you're going to want to p- play Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb at the same time, because that, that gives a, a unique look. And then the Browns are also going to want to use two and three tight ends a lot. Um, so I think they're going to do a lot of different things. And I wouldn't necessarily exclude 11 personnel from that uh, in that discussion. Well, there's you know certain ways to look at this. And I think part of it is, is, People are going to get caught up into you know what would be the verbiage of eleven personnel, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Look, you know, you could have Kareem Hunt, you know, on the field with Nick Chubb, and you could do obviously you can line him up, line him up wide. You know, again, we've always known Jarvis has you know been really, really good from the slot, so you can do that with him. Um, you can have David Njoku on the field, where you're going to say it's a two tight end set, but you could do the same thing with David. I mean, you can make David a big slot. You could put David out wide. So I think the you know the numerical personnel group. Um, it's one thing on paper. I, I think it's different as to what they can actually do to have at the skill position. And with Rashard Higgins here, um, it took a while for this one to come down. But, you know, what we saw in 2018, one of the most comfortable players on the roster as far as throwing the ball to was Rashard Higgins. That's what was one of Baker's comfort zones. So you get him back into this mix now. It allows you the opportunity, you know, to go 11 personnel. You know, obviously Austin Hooper is going to be a big part of this as well. And then, we, you know, didn't mention it's not like anybody's nine where it's going to be within the importance that he brings to it. But I think a lot of it is going to be the verbiage of it as opposed to what is actually playing out because, you know, Kareem Hunt can do many things. Jarvis Landry can do many things. David Njoku can do many things. I mean, Rashard can play inside. Rashard can play out. You can put Odell on the inside. There's a lot of things that they can do, and I think this is going to put where he can kind of put his stamp on this system that he's bringing over from Minnesota. And he can, you know, feature certain, you know, certain things that he just didn't have the personnel essentially to do with while he was in Minnesota. Right. You know, and this, this offense that he's going to run, it's going to be Kevin Stefanski's offense, not Kevin Stefanski running Gary Kubiak's offense in Minnesota. You know, he's, he's said before that if he ever got the chance to do his own thing, that, there would be some changes that he'd make. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those changes because last year's offense in Minnesota was very effective. Um, and it wasn't all, it wasn't all Kubiak. It wasn't just, it wasn't Freddie Kitchens using uh, Todd Haley's playbook. That's not, that's not what was going on. Uh, but there's definitely going to be a few changes. And I think you make a good point about, you know, when Kareem Hunt is on the field, he may not necessarily be on the field as a running back. When Najoku and Harrison Bryant are on the field, they may not necessarily be as tight ends. So I think they have a lot of versatile players who can do a lot of different things. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Stefanski is going to be able to use that versatility. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. It, it, it's just to have that much at the disposal. And you look at it, you know, obviously Baker, you know, grew with Odell last year, obviously not a lot of practice time. You know, he's gotten comfortable with Jarvis. You obviously now this would be year three for the two of those together. You know, Rashard and David Njoku, two big pieces that he essentially lost in 2019. You know, a lot of people want to you know, point to, you know, where the, the success stopped for Baker. Um, it was probably due to the fact that, you know, he lost some familiar parts in 2019 that were integral for him in 2018. But I, I believe they put themselves in a excellent, excellent position as far as success on the, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, not just with the skill, with what they've done in the offensive line. 
but Sam, a lot of it, it's just going to come down to, to Baker here. And there's always, you know, I, I love the the folks that are just so quick to react to college career. They ignore the rookie year of 2018. And, you know, just because 2019 and look, you know, for 2019, I mean, we're not beating around the bush here. It, it, it wasn't very good. But it just seems so weird that so many other quarterbacks will get the benefit of the doubt. Somebody like Baker Mayfield, people are going to take 2019 and essentially just label it as, ah, this is the guy. We knew it. We knew it. We knew it. And disregard the last four years of football of his life. Right. You know, uh, Sam Darnold, kind of his two years have gone about as well as Baker's 2019 did. And he didn't have the amazing 2018 that Baker did. Uh, but people aren't writing him off yet. It's it's just Baker. So, you know, this season is going to be extremely important for his career trajectory. Um, you know, it's 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 really weird just how much of a difference there was from 2018 to 2019. You know, he looked like a completely different player. I mean, the whole that whole Browns team looked like a completely different team from the second half of 2018 through the entirety of 2019. Um, and obviously coaching and his uh, Mayfield supporting cast didn't do him any favors. Uh, but, you know, a lot of a lot of his struggles, you know, they were his fault, you know, like not seeing open guys, you know, ball sailing from clean pockets, forcing passes to guys like Beckham when he wasn't open and not even looking his way when he was. Um, it's it's really strange what happened. And I think we need to just kind of throw that year out. You know, just act like it never happened. This is a new system, new team, new year for Mayfield, new new opportunity. And I think he realizes that, you know, everything we've seen from him this year, it's been a complete 180 from 2018. Uh, he's he's laying low. He's he's putting in the work. He's leading by example. You know, he invited, you know, all the skill position players out, out to Texas to work out and build build some chemistry, kind of similar to what Tyrod Taylor did back in 2018 down in Florida, I think, when he when he first got here. So that's always good to see. Uh, hopefully we're gonna we're going to see Mayfield return to that return to that 2018 form because if we do, then things are gonna really get moving. And if we don't, then we're gonna have a big problem. So if if Mayfield is is really the guy, and I don't think anybody should be saying that he isn't just based off of that one disaster season. You know, we've we've seen him put up some really high level play already as just as a rookie. So as long as he, he can get back to where he should be, I think we'll be headed in the right direction. I think in everything they put in place, you put him and you go back to, you know, Oklahoma where he was comfortable with tight ends. He was comfortable with wide receivers. He was comfortable with a fullback. Flowers was a good player for him and productive for him at Oklahoma. So uh, the situation should be, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, brighter. And, you know, I love the fact that he's, you know, asking and begging into, you know, other positional Zoom meetings just so we can listen and, you know, you know, see it through their eyes, which is, you know, one thing that you can kind of do to be, you know, extra productive in a situation like this, you know, where you're limited and you should have already been on the field and in the building. Uh, we got Sam Panix with us on here. We're going through on Tuesday, Locked on Browns. We got more to get to here. Um, and we will, uh, as we just continue to roll on through. And again, hope everybody is just you know, safe and smart with everything that is going on right now for a limited time. Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. Now, Sam, unlike any other time with the Browns, I mean, they are about to get to a 
they're going to have to extend a lot of their own. This normally hasn't happened. A lot of it is, you know, these first round picks can't wait till this guy's out of here because it never worked out. He was a buster. He was a troublemaker. But there's some big foundational pieces of this roster that are about to get paid up quite handsomely here, you know, with over the next year to 18 months. Right. We actually have good players now, so we, we need to extend those guys. That's a, that's a good problem to have, uh, but it's still something that we need to be keeping an eye on as we're moving forward. Uh, obviously, the, the three biggest ones are Garrett Mayfield and Denzel Ward. So um, I think even with Garrett's uh, situation last year, uh, he's still one of the best edge players in the league, not just young, but one of the very best defensive players in the league. He's a true franchise cornerstone. Uh, Through 33 games, he had more sacks than Julius Peppers, J.J. Watt, and Bruce Smith, the NFL's all-time leading sack artist. So it's pretty crazy how productive he's been uh, this early in his career, and he's still got so much room to grow. Uh, He's – he'll be 25 in December. It's – He's he's still ridiculously young. He's got so much potential already. Um, it's I would not be surprised if he becomes the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Uh, right now, that that honor goes to Khalil Mack. Uh, he signed for six years. He got one hundred and forty one million dollars from the Chicago Bears when he was twenty seven, twenty eight. So I think Garrett, you know, Garrett's obviously younger. Uh, he's been just as productive early on in his career. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him beat that number and probably get to 25 million annually uh, just based off of the cap increases. Um, so that's a that's a huge contract that they're going to have to deal out here. Yeah, and you know, with him, he's just become the, the – just and he's become such a part of, you know, the city and the organization – and, you know, the, obviously that, you know, incident outstanding, which, you know, everybody knows is just – was just I mean – blip on the radars, radars you know, of, of who somebody truly is not. Um, so he, you know, with him and then, you know, it, with Baker, obviously this is going to be a huge here for him. And I think Denzel Ward, and, and it's weird to say it, but I think Denzel Ward, and this probably happens with Miles and it happens with certain talent on this because, look, I mean, if you don't and you haven't been to the playoffs in 20-something years, people don't truly get it. Um, I'm sorry, late teens, high teens, sorry, guys. Um, it, it, people don't understand, but, you know, what? once Denzel Ward came back after the hamstring last year, the coverage ability just went right back to where he was, you know, where he essentially kind of took the lead by storm at the cornerback position here. And that's going to be another hefty one because, you know, it, it's always – if you're near the top of the echelon, when your time is coming, you know, you're essentially going to be paid as one of the highest at your positional group. And, you know, unless there's a mad, mad drop-off here in – you know, 2020, Denzel Ward is going to be another one right going down that line. Yeah, Ward is is a fantastic corner. He, you know, it, when he and Greedy Williams had those hamstring issues early in the year, that was just such a weird situation. And, uh, you know, against the Titans in week one, Ward just, you know, I don't know what happened. He was just really off. Um, and even against the Jets, he wasn't, he wasn't his usual self. But after he, he came back from that injury, Right, like you said, right back where he was in 2018 as a rookie, uh, one of the best corners in the league. Even though he may not get the rec- recognition of some of these other guys just because of the team he plays for right now, um, but you know somebody like Byron Jones, 
82.5 million over five years this past offseason. Uh, I think Ward could get something similar to that. Um, his durability over the next two years is going to, I think, dictate a lot about what his next contract looks like because injuries have been an, an issue with, for him. But talent-wise, there's no question. He's he's one of the top guys in the league, and you need a, a cover guy like him if you're going to be successful in today's NFL. Um, and he showed well within the division. Um, and, you know, obviously it you know, was the head injuries and, you know, the tackling ability in 18 that caused the problems. You know, look, a hamstring, that can take anybody down. Um, and, you know, the month of it certainly didn't help because that was, you know, right almost in the heart of the Brown schedule. And it led to some really, really difficult matchups. You know, Cooper Cup, et cetera, guys of that nature that they just weren't out there with their best, you know, covered tandems to take care of these things. Um, but, yeah, yeah, obviously health is going to dictate it. But the player himself certainly um, – it leads to you know bright days as far as you know foundational pieces, which leads us to this one here. Um, you know the Browns, and it, it's interesting the way this is played out because you know everybody wants to say, oh well, well Clowney hasn't signed with Cleveland. I don't know. He's using them for more money, but for the Browns, it's it's a move they can make easily for 2020. I mean, because every you know if you think about it, most of what it reads is most likely maybe Olivier Vernon. You know, would either be you know pay a, a payroll slash. Or be moved on, you know, Clowney's money would, you know, come in and just basically, you know, take what Vernon was supposed to get here. But it's the purple elephant. The Browns want this long term. And you see kind of the vision of this defense they're creating where it's hopefully going to be defensive line heavy. It's going to be secondary heavy. Are you in on Jadavian Clowney, Sam? Does it, you know, is it something, you know, you can go either way on? Because I got to tell you, the longer it goes on for me, it's, you know, just thinking about putting that type of athlete next to the type of athlete that Miles Garrett is. And it's just one where it's just, wow. You know, I mean, it's just something you'd love to see. And, you know, hopefully the hell it actually turns out. <laughs> it's definitely tempting because, you know, the, the st- this atmosphere, the stigma that's surrounded Clowney ever since, you know, that the game against Michigan, it's, it's, you know, it's been impossible for him to live up to, the, to those expectations given his size and that athletic ability. Um, and, you know, even though his stats haven't been great as a, as a pro player, he's still a very, very good player. Um, you know, we always, we always point to Olivier Vernon and say, well, you know, his stat sheet doesn't show all the impacts that he make he makes. And it's the same thing for Clowney. You know, he's a terrific run defender and he gets pressure just because of how quick and strong and powerful and athletic he is. Um, and putting that opposite of Miles Garrett, you'd have the most athletic and terrifying defensive end duo in the league. And that, that would be amazing to watch. You know, if, if teams can't double team Clowney, then, you know, probably his, his stats would go up at least as far as sacks, you know, but having both of those guys plus a pretty strong defensive interior now that we've added Andrew Billings and Jordan Elliott, I think that would make not only obviously would make the defensive line better, but that's going to make the entire team better. You know, that the defensive backs are going to benefit because they won't have to cover as long. The linebackers aren't going to have as much of a responsibility because hopefully uh, the defensive line would be able to manage more. Uh, the thing is, I I don't really see all that much of a benefit 
just swapping Vernon for Clowney just for 2020, because you know while I think Clowney's a obviously a better player than Vernon, is he that much better to where he's taking this roster as it stands currently from a fringe playoff contender to a team that should be contending for the AFC title? Probably not. Um, if we're talking long term, that's when things get interesting. I think, you know, if he's if if he's willing to sign for less than market value, so maybe around 15 million a year, and you can get him for three or four years and lock him up longer term with Garrett, and not you know jeopardize your ability to re-sign Ward and Garrett and Mayfield and these other guys, then you know that that presents an interesting opportunity because. Now you have two legit elite defensive ends in a league where edge pressure and the defensive line has never been more important. So long-term, if you can get it done at a good value, I'm not against it at all. Um, Short-term, I don't really see the draw just to do it for one year, unless the goal is to get a comp pick, which then that that's a whole, a whole other discussion here. Well, the thing, either way you slice it, whether it's Vernon or it's Clowney, I mean, you look at what you can put out in you know nickel and dime as far as pass rushing defensive line of, you know, you can kick Miles Garrett inside, which is things he did you know, earlier in his career with the Browns where he excelled Vernon on one side, Claiborne on another, Miles on the interior, Sheldon Richardson, all these guys have had huge success in rushing the passer. I mean, that is, you know, that NASCAR shit that everybody likes to call it or whatever, um, or whatever the new trendy one is, but putting those four together as far as the straight pass rushers in, in, in situations um, that's going to dictate it, and you can just allow you know the defensive backs you know want you know go one on one. You got safety help, you know one linebacker chasing everybody, you know chasing the backs around or whatever. It just it, either way, even if, if it's Clowney or if it's Vernon, it's just it, it's a really nice situation. It's something that's taken a while here because even in the infancy of the show, I was screaming about whether where the rest of the defensive linemen, and it finally took you know a third regime here to finally realize, yeah, uh, we're kind of short here in this, and we're going to have to get more bodies in. I uh, got a little bit more coming here on Locked On Browns. Keep it around. Keep sticking around with us. Sam Panix joining Jeff Lloyd here on Locked On Browns. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car could ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Guys, I've used Rock Auto for years. A tremendous business, tremendous service. Uh, they're able to scan the entire country. If you're looking for something that's you know difficult to find, gets mailed right to you. RockAuto.com. Use the promo code. Locked on. Sam, unlike years past, um, you know, you sit down and you try to do, you know, a, a Browns, you know, 53-man f- you know, roster, et cetera, et cetera. Years past, you'd get to 48 and say, well, I guess we'll know the rest of the names come Labor Day weekend. Um, I don't know if it's going to be so much the case here this year. And there are a lot, a lot of interesting names here when you get down into that, you know, integral five, seven last guys on the roster, you know, and, you know, who can play special teams, which will benefit them. But there's some interesting names and even, you know, undrafted free agents, but they certainly put themselves in a position here this year where it should be difficult for everybody to do your, you know, end of, you know, cut downs. It should be the most difficult time of the year, but it's going to be more difficult now than ever because, you know, there's going to be some names, whether it's an offensive lineman that some people may, might not see going, you know, they're, they're deep at the cornerback position. There's it's it's going to get tricky for them, and I'm really looking forward to when this is all going to play out. Right, you know, it's they've they're, they finally put themselves in a position where their their sixth round pick isn't guaranteed to make the team. You know, it's it's a it's a deep roster from top to bottom, um, 
and even even you know with, with that said there are still some guys at the bottom of the roster who are fighting to make the team who I think can can contribute in a few different ways not just special teams uh, you know a, f- a few guys here we've got AJ Green obviously the Browns really wanted him uh, you know they they gave him the the most guaranteed money ever to an undrafted free agent which I think speaks volumes to how much they thought of him. Um, you know, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. So he, he gives the corner room you know, some size that is, it doesn't really have right now. Um, obviously, Greedy Williams is tall, but he's, he's thin as a, as a bean pole right now. So um, hopefully that can change. But I think, you know, Green, he wasn't a, a great player at, at Oklahoma State, but he, he definitely has talent. And I think he's somebody that they think if he can't make the team, uh, if he can somehow make it through waivers, that he's a guy they can stash on the practice squad and probably call up to the the game day roster uh, by the end of the season pretty consistently. Um, you know, right now the the corner room isn't the depth there isn't fantastic. And then you know, Terrence Mitchell, his days might be numbered because he's outside only right now. So there's definitely a potential spot for Green on this team. And I think the Browns obviously felt the same way or else they wouldn't have paid him as much as they did. Uh, wide receiver, you know, DJ Montgomery, he looked good last preseason and then he got hurt. And the Browns basically just stashed him on IR for the entire year, you know, hoping to see what he could do next year. So he's going to be in a pretty competitive battle at wide receiver. Right now, I think we have three locks on the team there in Landry, Beckham, and Higgins. After that, it's it's a throw-up. Um, Montgomery, he'll be competing with, you know, Daryl Hodge, Damian Ratley, Taewon Taylor, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jamon Moore, Tony Brown, JoJo Nassid, and others. And there's only, you know, maybe, maybe three spots left at wide receiver. I'd kind of be surprised if they carried three receivers. Um, I'm thinking more three receivers after. So for a total of six, I'm thinking more five. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Montgomery can keep up his level of play that he, he displayed in last year's preseason um, and see if he, he can earn himself a spot on the team. And then, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. What just one more, uh, Willie Harvey jr. I mean, he was, he also had a good preseason. I think he probably would have had a pretty significant role on this team last year had he not gotten hurt, you know, in his second game. So, get, you know, given how thin the linebacker room is right now, I think he could easily make the team and, you know, develop, you know, not only just a special teamer, but also have a significant role in de- on the defense as a rotational guy. So those are just three I had in mind. Uh, linebacker by far is it's one where you can say, I mean, there's no scenario somebody could say about the linebacker position where you're going to say, oh, that's just not, there's no way it could ever happen. Um, you know, AJ Green might be in a situation here where this is one year, and maybe there's not much playing time with Kevin Johnson here. Obviously, with um, you know, Terrence Mitchell still around, who knows if he actually you know makes it till September. AJ Green, it could be a year of just you know finding himself. Um, for me, I, you know, I still think I envision in, in looking at the way Joe Woods thinks, you know, and it's a little bit outside of the box, or it's you know doing whatever he thinks is the best game plan week in week out. There could be some time, and I think it's gonna. We're gonna see it this year, where Denzel Ward is gonna do is gonna play some nickel because you're gonna look at some of these slots and say this is what's killing us. All right, well, 
let's eliminate that by using our best guy there, um, you know, which could open up a spot for Mitchell on the outside. Kevin Johnson's more comfortable on the outside. So it could be a a one-year you know, wait and see for A.J. Green here as he gets his feet wet. Um, as far as um, Montgomery, it is. It's interesting because, you know, that was one of the good moves John Dorsey did make. I will give him credit for that kind of stash and him, so to speak, here. Um, you're going to love a guy that gets vertical. Um, question is going to be, and for anybody not named Odell, Jarvis, or Richard Higgins, it's what else can you do for us? Because, it's, you know, somebody's going to have to play some special teams. There's guys already with experience over him with that and covering kicks and are pretty darn good at it. So it'll be you know, fun to see that play out. And it's going to be, it's going to get really, really tight as they start to get down to those last four or five roster spots. Sam, what are your realistic expectations for this 2020 We'd feel more comfortable even talking about it and things of this nature if we were even able to see or talk about some sort of product right now. Sadly, we cannot. But 2020 Cleveland Brown expectations. Yeah, I'm not falling into the trap that I fell into last year. I, I was we're I was not drinking, doing this again. <laughs> I was drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Um, I I was a fan of hiring kitchens just because of how good the offense looked. Uh, those last eight games, and I, I never imagined that it things would end up how they did. Um, you know, I, I had a little bit of of doubts about his his readiness. Um, I wanted Bruce Arians to come in here for maybe a year, two, three, and kind of show Kitchens the ropes, you know, because they already had a pre-established relationship. But obviously that didn't happen. So moving into this season, I think Stefanski is better prepared for – for the job. Um, that said, I'm not looking at the I'm not looking at the schedule and, and singling out this is a win, this is a loss because we did that with the Titans game last year, and the Browns just got their doors absolutely blown off. So that's not happening again. Um, so I'm going to go with eight and eight realistic until they prove otherwise. You know, I think given. There's we've got a rookie GM, rookie head coach, new regime, new everything. And they're faced with this unprecedented situation where they can't even, you know, have any physical contact with their players right now. It's going to be tough for them. And I think we have to temper our expectations for this team because of that. On paper, is this a roster that is better than eight and eight? Absolutely. But it was also a lot better than six and ten last year, and everything was just a complete disaster. You know, even when they won, they didn't play well. So until this team proves otherwise to me, I can't really expect a ton from them. Um, I can certainly hope. I like Stefanski a lot. I think I think if anybody is prepared to overcome this adversity, it's gonna be him. Because you know him and Barry, because of of their background, um, just of the kind of even keeled, you know, smart people that they are. But again, I have to see it first, and I'm hoping I I'm hoping to to see that this year. I I would I don't know if I would bet on it, but I I I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll overcome this and we'll have a, a successful 2020 season. The for me, where it gets difficult is, is you know, in you know, it's easy as probably just to take it within division is you know, Baltimore essentially none of this is really hurting them, they can just come and run it back what they did in 2019. Obviously, you know, some new toys added, and you know, a player like Calais Campbell, um, you know, 
Dobbins obviously is a running back. They can ease him into being a part of this offense as well. Pittsburgh, it, it's all about whether or not Ben is truly, you know, the arm is okay. Cause then they can just go back to what they were doing for the last decade with the defense that's improved here, which you know, would put them, you know, the Browns at a disadvantage. The Browns had, should have had every advantage this year with a new staff. They were able to get to go to work earlier than anybody else, but due to everything that's going on, that obviously never came to fruition. Um, I, you know, cause I, I believe it, what it is like 8.2 or 8.3 is, you know, the Vegas or whatever it's going to be, it's always those weird ones. You know, there's always one where you look at the schedule and say, oh man, yeah, that shouldn't be an issue. And then all of a like, I mean, nobody ever would have anticipated last year, the Arizona Cardinals were going to be an issue and they turned out to be a huge issue. You know, so things of that nature, like you said, Tennessee, we were all ramped up for, you know, week one of the regular season. And then by 345, everybody was like, ah, you know, you go to the old, uh, the water boy line. Oh man, we suck again. And it would seem like, you know, almost like the light just kind of went out that quick uh folks we're gonna put a bow on this one here um but sam please let everybody know where they can find work you know read everything that you're putting out here um and obviously you know creating content putting out content right now um it definitely takes uh some superhero powers right now with not much to talk about yeah so you, you can find my Cavs stuff at Cavs nation you know nba has been been a little bit slow as of late but hopefully we'll we'll get the season back here pretty soon um, don't know if that's going to include the Cavs or not, but we'll see. Um, as far as NFL, I'm on I'm on Clutch Points. I'm on NFL Draft Lounge with the first pick. Uh, getting my getting my scouting list for 2021 uh, put together here. So I'm going to finish up those those Twitter threads that you can find on my Twitter profile at Sam underscore Penix. Uh, Twitter threads of the Browns draft picks, just to kind of give you, give give you an idea of who these guys are as players. Um, so once once those are all wrapped up, we'll we'll move on to 2021 and we'll see where that takes us. Hopefully we'll be picking a lot later in the first round this year. Uh yeah, I mean, um, yeah, certainly the uh you know, going from you know what would have been 17, which was traded away to pick overall 10 after you know my first couple of years here saying I'd better be home when this draft starts because Browns are on the clock already. So um yeah, I mean in the in the twenties, in the twenties would be really, really nice. Uh guys, it was a pleasure having Sam on again. You know, obviously everything you mentioned, go ahead and check out all his work. Uh guys working his tail off in one of the toughest times. Uh the show itself, you guys know at Locked On Browns on social media, DMs are open, always a follow back account. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, DMs are open. This is the time of the year, guys. you got things you want to talk about, questions you want to incorporate in the show, maybe not just Browns-wise, life-wise, you know, other, you know, the NFL as a whole or whatever. This is the week, you know, get ramped up in July, hopefully starting to look towards training camp um, where we can go a little bit essentially off the script here. Um, appreciate you guys as always. Thanks to our sponsors, Built Bar, Blankist, and Rock Auto. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB.